Oh, God. 
heart again. Come on.
Is that your prayer tonight? Come on, give him praise tonight. Give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. Give somebody a spiritual high five before you sit down. Yeah, I know we got to distance ourselves, you know, so we got to do spiritual high fives. I want to give it up kudos to the worship team tonight, though, because uh, there, there was a transition we did in that song in one song between uh, this is a move and and uh, when he walks into the room. Anybody remember that anybody was in band? That was a four, four song and a six, eight song. That we put together and was able to move back and forth across and Megan just nailed it. And, uh, you know, she she nailed the timing on it and. And even Faithful God, man, we struggled with that one Sunday because it's got a weird rhythm, and she sings offbeat to us, and the drummer plays offbeat to what we play. And so we figured out where to play tonight to make it all work. And so Megan, Megan stepped up and did it, and the rest of the guys. And so, hey, you just got to give kudos, man. When it's, when it's due, you got to do it. I'm not looking at the notes I missed, so don't worry about that. If y'all see Cookie laughing, it's generally because I missed a note. And he's just laughing at me. Y'all thought it was the presence of God hitting him. It's because I miss notes. No. <laughs> no, actually, a lot of times it is the presence. But anyways, let me get out of that. Jesus, how do I segue out of that one? Uh, hey, listen, I want to talk to us tonight. It's something that the Lord is stirring me with, and, uh, and I want to bring this to y'all. It's, it's what, are, what is keeping you satisfied? What is keeping you satisfied? And we've got a slide with, with all the scriptures on it. We're going to read a few scriptures tonight. I don't know if we'll get through all of them or not. Huh? Yeah, dude. It's called uh, What is Keeping You Satisfied? There you go. I just forgot to put it down in the sermon spot. I'm sorry. I know. So, so remember Sunday I spoke about what is our DNA, right? What is our DNA? Who are we supposed to be as Christians? And, and if you weren't here, go back and listen to that one. It's, it's online. And, and then it's what is our purpose, you know, was one of the things we talked about. Uh, Luke 2.49, I got this up here. This is our scripture we used. Excuse me. Luke 2.49. And he said unto them, how is it that you sought me? Was you not, was you not that I must be about my father's business? Luke 2.49, right? And that, that was our scripture for Sunday. Jesus had to be about the father's business, and even at 12 years old, he knew that part. And, and I'm a lot older than that. Sometimes I get distracted. And so, you know, um, so we talked about that. And we talked about who we are as believers and even as a church. And remember after that, we even talked about what our vision statement is um, as a church family. And uh, to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. Right, that's kind of where we, we talked on Sunday about those things. Um, I'm just kind of giving you a quick rundown before I get to our actual text for tonight. Just kind of, so you can see how it kind of, it really ties together. Um, you know, to figure out how we're supposed to operate, we need to look at Jesus, right? He's the, the end all of everything to us. You know, we, we go to our word and we find out who Jesus is and we find out how we're supposed to be, right? We, that's how we run our life is, is by the word of God, not by the opinions of men, but by the word of God. Jesus went around doing good. He wasn't afraid to touch the untouchables. He wasn't afraid to speak against the religious leaders or the crowds. He wasn't afraid to go up against status quo. 
Um, and, and if honestly, if you look at us today as believers, we have problems with all those things. We don't always go around and do good. We're afraid to touch the untouchables a lot of times. We're afraid to speak up against things uh, because of the, the, the things that we're going to get attacked with. And we're afraid to go against the status quo. Most believers today have a problem with going against what society says because they're afraid of the attacks they're going to get. They're afraid of the, the bombardment that they're going to get, but Jesus was never afraid of that. And so tonight I want us to look at John 4.34. Now this is where we're at. John 4.34 is where we're at. And, and I want to show you something. This is the, the woman at the well. But there's one verse in here that really strikes out at me. And this is toward the end of the conversation. But look at what it says in John 4.34. Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Who's he talking about? The Father. I've got to do the work of the Father. I've got to be about the Father's business, right? And, and my food is to do that. My food is to do that. So if you flipped your Bible, go into that section, right? And we're going to read a few more verses there so we can really put all this in context because I, I believe you need to see this. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Just If you took just that one scripture right there and apply that to your life, how much better would you be as a believer? Because just look at this one scripture. My meat, all that I need, my substance, is to do the will of him that sent me. How many times do you do what you want to do instead of what he wants you to do? How many times does your will override his word? How many times does your opinion override his word? And we, we say it's a new revelation. And, yeah. Uh, hmm. <laughs> Somebody text me something that's funny. I'm going to get there in a minute. Hold on. He's jumping ahead of me. Look at verse 35. This is Jesus now talking to his disciples. See, because just, just to premise where we're at, he had sent them away to go get food. He comes back. Here's a Jew talking to a Samaritan. They didn't like each other. So here he is being about the father's business. They come back now with food, and he's like, I ain't hungry. And they're like, who got him some food? He's like, yep, yeah, no, no, I'm not hungry because I, I was busy. Have you ever felt hungry in your spirit? Then go find somebody and tell them about Jesus. It's simple. Look at verse 35. I'm not going to meddle. Here's Jesus speaking to his disciples. Do you not say, don't, don't you love, just, I'm, I'm sorry, I got a squirrel on this one for me. Here they are trying to figure out who gave him some food. He's talking to the, the Samaritan woman. All this stuff is going on, and he tells them, hey, I just finished eating. And they're all, like, freaking out, like, what's going on? And, and Jesus just, just totally changes the subject, you know. At least we're polite enough on a different subject. We, he didn't even do that. He says, don't you say there's still four months and then comes the harvest? Jesus, we're talking about food, man, not harvest. <laughs> we're trying to eat. Behold, I tell you, raise your eyes and observe the fields, that they are white for the harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, 
so that the one who sows and the one who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true, one sows and another reap. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have come into their labor. Jesus, we were just trying to figure out who brought you some fish and bread, man. Not who's harvesting the fields. Don't we do that same thing, though? Jesus is trying to tell us something, and we, we just go back to our situation. Like I said Sunday, sometimes we get so focused on our surroundings in the natural realm that we totally forget what's going on in the spirit and God's moving around us but we totally forget what's going on in the spirit and what happens what if we got caught in a tidal pool off the side of the river the river's still moving but all we're doing is going around in a circle but I'm in the river yeah you are but you're going around in a circle you know the Israelites went around that mountain for 40 years we got to figure out, are we still following God, or are we stuck in a tidal pool? If you're getting dizzy, maybe that's so. You see, Jesus understood that to stay healthy in his spirit, what did he have to do? He had to focus on what God was doing. To stay healthy as a believer, we have to focus on what God is doing. And yes, we need to pray, and yes, we need to read our word. But can I tell you, if all you ever do is read your word and pray and stay and hide in your house, you're still not accomplishing anything. Listen, there are some great prayer warriors, but those prayer warriors still did things. The, the men, they would go before Billy Graham and all that. They would go to the communities and sit and pray in the basement of people for weeks and months, if need be. They were doing things. We have got to do more than just sit around because we're just stuck in the title pool. You know, even the tidal pool gets some fresh water every now and then. It just sloshes around. <laughs> but all the trash gets caught there, too. Jesus understood that if, if he did not follow the plan God set for him, he was going to be malnourished. Is your spirit malnourished? Is your spirit healthy? Or is your spirit hungry? And if all we're feeding it is things of the world, it's, it's kind of like... It's, Kind of like, you know, my, both my kids lift weights. If all you do is work on your, your arms, you're going to have huge arms and itty-bitty legs. My oldest son, he's a weightlifter too, and his legs are huge and his arms aren't so big. It's not his fault. It's genetics. But, you know, Rylan's a lot more proportional than he is. But you know what? We've got to be proportional in our spirit. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead, and it's time the church gets back to work. What are you satisfying yourself on? Are you satisfying yourself right now by seeing all the craziness in the world? Can I tell you that that is nothing more than a, a shot of demonic just trash? If all you're doing is focusing on it, if all you're doing is focusing on what's going on in the world, it is eventually going to just destroy your mind. There is no hope according to what the world says. You listen to the left, you listen to the right. Both of them say that they're right, and both of them say the other one's wrong. There's no hope in that. And I totally lost track of which one was right and wrong anymore. And that's why I got my Bible back out and said, God is still in control. And you know what? Whoever the person they put to be the president, I'm going to pray for them because the word of God says I need to pray for the leaders. Regardless if you voted for them. Regardless if you like them. We just got to do it and stop fighting and, and because what's happening is, is it's polarizing the church and it's separating the church. And a divided house cannot stand. The enemy has been working at this for a long, long time.
Do I like what's going on? I do not. This is, I'm a veteran, man. I, I fought for our country to have what we have, and I know there's others in here, but we can't focus on that. We got to focus on what's important to our spirit, because your spirit's going to live forever. And there are people dying every day out there that don't know Jesus. You know what's worse than that? Is the people that are dying out there thinking they know Jesus. Because they have people walking around them that have a form of godliness, but they deny the very power of Jesus. They deny the very power to change. They go to church, but they never change. They never see anything in their life different. They go back to the same thing. Like, hmm, I think the word says, see if you study the word, the word says like a dog returning to the vomit. We keep going around the same thing, going back to the same trash. We've got to stop. We've got to focus on what we're supposed to be eating, what we're supposed to be doing, we're supposed to be drinking. Flip your Bibles over to Matthew chapter 4. We've we got to talk a little bit more about eating tonight. So all of y'all going to go out to eat after church probably. Unless y'all went, went home and made a gumbo or something. <laughs> Just something to make y'all laugh. I, I watched somebody that, that's a transplanted Cajun made their first gumbo. And, and what was so funny about it was everybody that posted it, Brother, it's kind of white. It's going to need a little bit more roux. It's, 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 it's you know, <laughs> it's going to need, y'all, it was white. <laughs> it was white. It was like almost some white gravy with a little bit of tint to it. It was like, y'all got to put some. But he was trying. But we need to send him some real roux, and, and we'll fix him up. So, all right, now that we're talking about food, let's go talk about Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Look at, look at this. Then the Spirit had led, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, the Spirit led him to be tempted by the devil. What happened previously? Verse 2 tells us. And after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he became hungry. I'm sorry, it wasn't previously, it was all at the same time, but then the, the devil came to tempt him. I was too far in the story. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and then he became hungry. What became hungry? His spirit? His physical body. But you know what, he, what happened there? His spiritual body became so in tune with the spirit of God, because how did he last? By eating the, the meat of the word. Eating the meat from communing with God. Right? I, I know people that have fasted 40 days. They, used, they do it every few years. And you know what? It, they're communing with God or they're going to die. You don't play around and fast for 40 days. And I'm not talking about just fast from coffee and Coke. I'm talking about they don't eat any food and all they do is drink water. Yeah. And you know what? That's a dangerous thing if you don't know what you're doing. And, you know, they, they understood. And, and so, and the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones become bread. That was a very good temptation about that time. Now, let me tell you a quick story about not eating for a while. You know, when I was in the, in, in the Navy, we went to land survival. It was a seven-day class where they put us out in the middle of the, the, the woods and said, go find food. And we ate berries. And I've ate, I, listen, I have eaten acorns every possible way, and none of them are good. I have boiled them, I have baked them, I have roasted them, and they're none good, but they do fill the void. I have made tea out of things that I don't know if you're supposed to make tea out of and sweetener out of things. And, but can I tell you that when we found a snake, we ate him very quickly. That rattlesnake did not have a chance. 
normally I would turn and go the other, re- other way. But that day, after about four days of pine needles and pine bark and acorns, he was toast. Okay? And it was no Tony's. And so we, we cooked him quick. But can I tell you, the, the, the part about this story is you come back after seven days and everybody does it and they tell you don't. We all went to the big buffet down the road and wasted our money. Because our stomachs was about that big. Our eyes were this big. We all some young teenage boys and girls starving to death, we thought. After 40 nights, 40 days, the devil tells Jesus to make some stones out of stone, uh, make bread out of stones. How many of us would have probably done it? I don't think very many after 40 days. Caught you off guard on that one. He answered him and said, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. He knew the Bible before there was a Bible. Because he studied it as a young man, studying the Jewish portion of the Bible, studying the, the books of the law and understanding where this comes from. So he did battle against the things by understanding the word. Not his opinion. Look, look at the next one. Then the devil took him up along, along into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. I, temple, I love this one. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will give his angels orders concerning you. He will watch over you with every aspect. Look at that. And on their hands they will lift you up so that you do not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus said to him, On the other hand, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to test. Again, he did battle with the word. Again, the devil took him along to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Was it his to give? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Because after man sinned in the garden... This world was given to him. He had dominion over it. So literally he had it. Now, would he have? Why? Because he's nothing but the father of lies and there's no truth in him. So anything he says is automatically a lie regardless because he cannot tell the truth according to the word. So if he said he was going to give it to him, straight up lie, he wasn't going to do it. But Jesus knew some things in his spirit that the devil couldn't see in the natural. (laughs) And it took him up the very high mountain. And Jesus said to him, Go away, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to serve him. Listen, Jesus was satisfied by being in the presence of God, by limiting the things that his flesh was given, and by the word of God. Everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. What are you satisfying yourself with? The lusts of the flesh? pride of life, the things that you enjoy to look at, the things we enjoy to hear. What are we satisfying ourselves with? If we're going to fight a battle that is a spiritual battle, should we not work out our spirit and make sure our spirit is strong enough to go out and battle this? If we're going to fight the spiritual battle by using the Word of God, should we not know what the Word of God says? But here's the question for you. Is knowing it, is just reading it enough? No. 
Because a lot of people read it, but don't sit down and say, God, show me what it means. See, I can read through things. I can speed read a book, but I don't know how to speed read. So guess what just happened? I flipped the pages. I saw some words, but they didn't mean anything to me. But when I allow the Holy Spirit, the one that wrote the very book, teach me what it means when, when it says, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Well, hold on a second. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. What does that have to do with I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world? Jesus understood what that meant. By bowing down and worshiping God, he knew that God was going to give him everything. See, Satan didn't understand it. And like the, the passion of the Christ, I love that part of the movie where, where Satan is up there and he's excited that he killed Jesus. He just can't see the big picture. He can't see the big picture. But we can in our spirits. We can by reading the Word. I'm, I'm reading a book right now that's, that's breaking down the book of Revelation for me in a way I've never seen. And, and I'm learning so much through it. Why? Because I want to learn how to read the book of Revelation because I want it to make sense to me. And that's a difficult book. It's a difficult book. But let me read one excerpt from you from it real quick that, that I had sent to somebody the other day. Where are you at? The glimpse Revelation gives us to where God is taking all of history was originally meant to encourage the church. The book of Revelation was meant to encourage the church. Have you ever thought of it that way? I haven't. I'll be honest with you. That is not very encouraging. <laughs> but listen to what he says. It was meant to encourage the church in Asia Minor to, Minor to persist in the mission even at the cost of their money, their homes, and their lives. Do people give up their money, their homes, and their lives because of physical things? No, you do that because of a spiritual belief, a spiritual trust that, you know what? Yeah, I'll go to that foreign land and lose my life to spread the gospel because I know God told me to go there. And if I die there, that just means more people are going to get saved because the spilling of blood always turns that way. Understand that God would one day, listen, one day conquer every foe and present his faithful ones as the ultimate victors was meant to drive these ancient believers to forsake all in obeying God's command to evangelize the world. All these things we see here, the letter that, that, that John wrote was to encourage them to stop doing this because this is what I have for you. This is what it's supposed to be like, but this is what you're doing. This vision of the future changes everything, not by providing secret knowledge of key events, but by revealing the unalterated course of history, culminating in the absolute victory of those who persist in the mission and the ultimate ruin of those who give up. There's so much to learn when we read it and we allow the Holy Spirit to feed us. We've got to focus on what God is doing in this hour. It looks like there's, there's nothing to be gained anymore. But can I tell you, there's still so much to be gained. God is not done with you. He's not done with this world. You know why I know that? Because when he's done with this world, he's going to break open the sky and he's going to come back and get his church. He hasn't done that yet. And he hasn't brought you to heaven, which means you're not done yet. And until that happens, we've got to be about the Father's business. 
And to be about the Father's business means we've got to stay in shape. We've got to stay ready. We've got to be prepared for what's coming ahead. Because if we're not prepared, why do you think the military runs so much and practices shooting? And Because they got to be ready for crazy stuff that they're not anticipating. I heard the other day, Cookie, that, 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 that one of the military things were changing that, that when you get off the bus, that moment of confusion that they used to do. They changed that because they, they didn't think it was working. The problem is the guy that changed that sits in a desk and ain't never been in the military. That, that moment of confusion does a lot to a person. It disorients them. It makes them tired. It makes them mentally tired. And when they get mentally tired, then the, the company commanders and, and the, the guys running the boot camp can start ripping out the things that need to go and start building them the way they need to be so that one day when they're standing in a battle and they don't know what to do, they go back to their training. When you don't know what to do, you should fall on your knees and begin to pray and say, God, what do I do? But we don't. We complain and we murmur and we fight against it and we jump out into the flesh. You see, God has always wanted his people to, to, to get their food from him and, and to get their nourishment from him. But we find so many other things and so many other pleasures today that we struggle with this constantly. Flip your Bible all the way back toward the beginning to Deuteronomy. And I'm going to look at one more scripture for us tonight. God has always, Deuteronomy chapter 8, he's always wanted his people to trust him and to rely on him alone. Always. It's us that complain. It's us. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Watch this. Verse 1. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe, that you may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. Look at this. Verse 2, and, do you, and you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandment or not. So he humbled you and allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone. But man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Where did Jesus learn that from? Right there. Where did the Israelites learn that from? Right there. This was told to them before they even started going toward the promised land. But what happened? They jump out. It's, it, the the storyline has always been amazing to me. They were slaves in Egypt being worked like dogs. God frees them from that, and they go out into the wilderness, and what do they say? God brought us out here to die. We might as well go back to Egypt and be slaves. So all the riches he gave them, what did they do? They made a golden calf so they didn't have an idol because they, they couldn't trust the God that was up on top of the mountain visiting with, with Moses. They needed a God they could worship in front of them. You see what I'm saying? We, we've always struggled with this. This is not something new. But, but we're in an hour, in a time, in, in a season where we've got to get it through our thick heads that my God shall supply all of my needs. My God shall supply all of my food. I'm not going to starve to death. My God is going to take care of me. Oh, but by the way, if I do starve to death, it doesn't matter anyways. See, when we start getting that stuff in, 
The Bible says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. God's going to take care of us when we focus on him. Regardless of what goes on with the world, my God will take care of me. Why? Because I trust in him. And my satisfaction comes from him. My satisfaction doesn't come from how much money I have or anything that's going on. My satisfaction comes from him and knowing him. My, my excitement in life comes from him. And that's where we got to get, guys. We've got to get to that place. Because, again, the world is dying. And I know that I tell you that every service. But the more I read this new book, the more I see. Can, can I just give you a quick tidbit? Remember the one church that, that in, in there, I keep saying it's Laodicea, but I can't remember if it is or not. They were lukewarm. We've always read that as, I wish you were hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. He's talking about their salvation. No, he wasn't. God wishes nobody that they would not be saved. He was not talking about that. He was talking about their works. Because when you continue to read and you learn the history of what was going on, they had bowed down to Caesar so that they could buy and sell and so that they could do business. And he was saying, listen, I wish that you would have followed my plan for you. You were going to spread the gospel through all this area. You've done all these things great. But the problem is, is now you've begun to worship the emperor because you wanted to be able to buy and sell and trade and do all these things. I wish that you were either doing the work or not doing the work. But now you're acting like you're doing the work. And you're doing the work for your own gain. And that I'm not going to put up with. Isn't that an interesting way of looking? And there, there's more into the story, but... It's just interesting looking at the fact that God wants us to be about his business. That's why he left us here. And we've got to be ready for it. We've got to be ready in our spirits, in our guts, that, that know that, God, I've got to be about your work today. But so many times we focus on everything else in life. And tonight, I'm telling you, stop focusing on those other things. And if you will turn your gaze back to him, turn your eyes back to the, to the Bible and, and your your spirit focusing on him and your mind. You know, I go through a lot of times during the day just, just rolling out songs and things like that, regardless of what's going on. Well, you're the pastor. That don't mean nothing. It just means I got the keys to the door. And they give me a microphone every week and say, you got to say something. That's what that means. I'm a believer just like you. You know, they always say bigger levels, bigger devils. You know, we all fight battles, guys. And you know what? What's satisfying you? What is, maybe I should have even put what's keeping you sustained. Maybe that, I'm terrible at titles, y'all know that. What's keeping you sustained may have been a better thing. In this hour, where are you focusing? Turn that TV off. Turn off that social media. I, I'm so tired of watching all that mess. We still use Facebook because we broadcast on it, trying to reach lost people. Give hope to a world that doesn't seem to have hope right now. That's why we use it. I, I don't, I am so tired of watching pastors beat up on pastors. And believers beat up on believers. And the video of this, this pastor cursing what's going on, believers do not curse. We do not curse things. That's why they're called curse words, by the way. Clean up your mouth. Okay, I'm going to get off that. My pastor used to say, if, every now, if, if, you, if you hit your thumb, what do you yell? That tells you a lot right there. And if you say it slips, you change the clutch. That's what, y'all, that's what Flip Oil used to tell us. So, Listen. If you're here tonight and you would tell me that, Pastor, I don't know this Jesus the way you're talking about it. I don't know him as my Lord and Savior. I want to know tonight. I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. So here in just a minute, we're going to pray, and we're going to pray for those that are online as well. And you know what? I'm going to give you an opportunity. 
to, to let me know I want to pray with you because in this hour, we've got to know that our heart is right with Jesus. We can't be playing it. We can't fake it till we make it. There's no time for that. There's nothing guaranteed to us. And we've got to focus on Jesus and be about his work. Amen. So they're going to put something soft on, and, and I just want to pray and believe that God is, is going to do a work inside of you tonight as well. But Father, I thank you for, for all of those that are here, and Lord, those, those countless millions turned in online and here in the radio. Lord, I pray that this would bring hope to them in the name of Jesus. Hope that God's not done with them. Hope that he still has a plan for them. And hope that Jesus died for them, that they can be forgiven. They can be forgiven. Listen, if you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I, I want prayer like that. I want you to, to pray with me that I know Jesus. Just slide your hand up so I can know who it is, and we're going we're gonna to pray together afterward. So just stick your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor. Amen. If you're online, listen, I just want you to go to, to our Facebook page. You'll, you'll know that. Or send me an email. It's on our Facebook, uh, website, newlifeag.church. There's a thing down there. Just tell me so I can connect with you and send you something. Father, I just continue to believe that the greatest hour of your church is yet to come. That we're on the, the verge of the great harvest. In the hour where there's no hope, you're sending your laborers and you are multiplying your laborers and you are coming in right now, Lord, and you are, you are just bringing your spirit through your body and people that have been faking it for so many years are being exposed and a light is shining into those dark areas and people are being saved and set free because they thought they had been, they were serving you, but they realized that they were just acting like it. They were not committed. Lord, I thank you for shining your light into our spirits and into our hearts. I thank you, Lord, that, that by your spirit, men are being drawn to you right now and being forever changed and that your church is rising up and becoming mighty again and that we will see the supernatural works once again in the body of Christ. Lord, I pray for those people that are here and again online that you would continue to watch over us physically, Lord, that, that there's a virus. And I, I rebuke the attack this virus has on our bodies. And I speak strength into our bodies right now, health in the name of Jesus. Lord, put, put a, a, a peace around us that would protect us, Lord. Give our bodies strength as you have designed us, that our immune system would be strong and be able to fight. Be able to push this virus back, Lord, and just kill it, Father, that it would stop infecting people. It would, it would stop killing people. Lord, I thank you for the wisdom of our leaders and even wisdom for those that we don't think has wisdom. I know that you are speaking and directing and you are still on the throne. And Lord, I pray for unity in the body and I speak peace over our nation. And I thank you for all that you've done and all that you're doing and ask this all in Jesus' mighty name. If you agree with that tonight, we'll say an amen with me. Amen. Listen, guys, I love you. Thank you for, for being here with us tonight and tuning in. And um, what's keeping you satisfied? What's keeping you satisfied? As you leave here tonight and you go tomorrow, think about during your day, how many times do I think about Jesus? How many times do I think about a scripture? Think on him more and more and more. Amen. Amen. Listen, so we're going to dismiss, and uh, I know that they're going to take down the decorations real fast. So if I could just get a couple people or some guys.